The following podcast contains explicit language. You're listening to the Cinematography Podcast presented by Hot Rod Cameras, a program about the art, craft and philosophy of the moving image and the people who make it happen. Coming to you from the world headquarters of Hot Rod Cameras in Hollywood, California, are your hosts, Ben Rock and Ilya Friedman. Hey, Ben. Where are you? Uh, I am uh, here in beautiful Sherman Oaks, California, where the uh, drizzly cold rain is coming down like manna from heaven here in uh, quarantined uh, United States of America. That's where I am. I think it's more like sheltered for you right now. I don't think you're quite quarantined. You're... I'm, not, I'm not quarantined. You're right. There isn't like an armed guard walking up and down the street making sure no one walks out of their house. And in fact, we did walk out of our house and around the neighborhood, but I, I haven't been uh, I haven't I haven't been within six feet of a person who isn't living in my house for the last week. Hey, uh, we are getting an awful lot of uh, requests to make more episodes. <laughs> Believe it or not, we're getting people who are oh, saying, really? who are saying hey, <laughs> well. hey, you know, uh, <laughs> you guys are, have made some great episodes. Uh, now that we're all going to have all this time, could you make more? Uh, yeah, that, that, that just more? happened. And so that's yeah. kind of what we're doing right now. We are making an extra episode. Uh, back in 2019 at Sundance, 2019? 20. 2019 in Sundance, yes, uh, a year ago, not this past January, uh, I interviewed uh, Jason Orley and Andrew Hoopscher, mm -hmm. who are the, uh, you know, and, and some other folks from the movie Big Time Adolescence, which you can now watch for free on Hulu if you're a subscriber. It's uh, it's on Hulu. And you totally should oh, cool. should go see Big Time Adolescence. Ben, have you, have you seen it? I have not seen Big Time Adolescence, but on your recommendation, I'll check it out. Okay, so Big Time Adolescence, uh, I did that interview a year ago, and we broke our own rule. I, I, we don't do interviews with people for movies that we haven't seen, and I actually said that in the interview. I wait, said, wait, that's one of our rules? Our oh, rules, shit. yes, we don't. We don't we, yes, there's a bunch of hacky, crappy journalists out there who are willing to do that and willing to like watch the trailer a bunch of times and, that's say, true. and say like oh yeah yeah like, sure i'm familiar with your work but but we don't do that i, I you you, sh you should have never have done that ben if you if you're saying that you've done that so. <laughs> well we make an effort but uh you know some instances like for instance i recently uh spoke with the dp of the upcoming mulan uh live action feature and i haven't seen that because it hasn't been released well, that hasn't been released but you probably talked about some other stuff that you have seen Oh, 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 for sure. Yes. So, so anyway, but big time adolescence, uh, I had a really, really great conversation with the team and some of the, actually the, the actors were there. It was, a, it was a great, it was a great conversation. And I, I felt kind of like a heel cause it was like, oh man, I, you know, I, I haven't seen this movie and, and did, it's a little bit awkward. Did you do the interview? Did you do the interview version of like, Hey chief, Hey champ. <laughs> Like, you know, when you don't know someone's name, they're hey, like buddy, talking about guy, a scene. dude, uh, no, not, like not, talking about a scene. And you're like, they're like, you know, getting way into it. And you're like, yeah, I totally saw that scene with the roller coaster and the go-kart. I, I felt a little like that, but I don't think it was quite that awkward. But hey, guess what? Uh, all our listeners are going to get to hear that here in just a minute. Uh, I got to give major props to the filmmakers, though, because now having seen the movie, it's great. And if you've got Hulu, you should totally watch Big Time Adolescence and uh, I mean, uh, Andrew Hoopshire, the uh, the the DP, who's a client of Hot Rod Cameras and I've known for a long time now, uh, did fantastic work. It looks really fantastic. Uh, 
and uh, it stars uh, Pete Davidson, who uh, you might recognize from Saturday Night Live, and John Cryer's got a part in it, and uh, oh, cool. th- I would say a star-making performance for uh, Griffin Gluck, who uh, is the lead in the movie, but lots and lots of great, great performances, and if uh, anyone ever got into a little bit of trouble, like in high school, or maybe um, never, <laughs> maybe hung around with older maybe let's say more burnout sort of friends who really weren't going anywhere fast with their life, which let me tell you, I could relate to this really, really well. <laughs> uh, the movie, the, the movie is fantastic. The, the, the movie is really great. And, uh, and um, without further ado, here's the interview with the team behind big time adolescence. Sweet. The cinematography podcast interview. Gentlemen, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, with me today is Andrew and Jason. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Hey, uh, this is something that doesn't usually happen. I have not seen this movie. Please, what? To, please, I know. It's uh, it's just one of those things that Sundance, sometimes it is impossible to get in to see everything that you would really like to see. And I've heard really good things. But please, tell me. Tell me about your movie. Sure. Big Time Adolescence is it's a coming-of-age story, but it's really about you know coming-of-age at many different ages. There's, you know... 16, 19, 24, and even adults are all still kind of figuring their lives out. And at its core, more specifically, it's about a 16-year-old boy who grows up idolizing his older sister's boyfriend, uh, kind of a charismatic fuck-up. Can I swear on this? (laughs) All right. And uh, idolizing him, and they soon grow to be best friends. And it's really about this young boy's journey to realize that just because this guy's a few years older than him, he doesn't necessarily know what he's talking about. And I think that that's a journey that, uh, you know, a lot of people go through when they're younger and older people seem so mature. And then you have this moment where you realize that you may know more than them or you, you know, are eventually going to pass them in life. And that's really about different characters kind of passing each other by at different ages. Uh, I've been hearing really good buzz about this and you have a fantastic cast. Tell me about the cast of this, uh, this project. Yeah, uh, we got very lucky. Uh, the cast is fantastic and it's led by Pete Davidson and Griffin Gluck who play that you know, that correlationship, but it's really rounded out by a lot of amazing women. Emily Arlook, Sydney Sweeney, and Una Lawrence. And uh, and Pete was able to bring a lot of his friends to come play along. Colson Baker, also known as Machine Gun Kelly, uh, has a very memorable role, as does Jordan, uh, stand-up comedian Jordan Rock. Um, and then, uh, and Thomas Barbuska, who is also awesome. And finally, John Cryer, who, you know, this, was, this movie was always going to be a nod to high school movies that I loved. And and I wrote him a letter and begged him to do this, and he was kind enough to come and, and play with us. So, yeah. That, that's fantastic. So, so I've got, since I've got a director-DP duo sitting right in front of me right now, tell me about your working relationship. How, what's it like when you started visualizing, the, uh, visualizing this movie? Well, before Andrew starts, because I'll, I'll let him take over once we start talking about the visual stuff, I just have to say that as a first-time director, every, when you're telling people you're going to direct your first movie, you expect people to say, like, oh, are you sure you can do that? Do you know what you're doing? And for me, everyone had the same thing, said the same thing, which was, you got a good DP? You need a good DP <laughs> or you're screwed. You know, and, like, and it was almost like, if you have a good DP, you'll be fine. It was like, don't worry. And that's how I felt. I felt like, you know, we really were co-directors making this. He was teaching me as we went. You know, I knew the story really well, but I didn't know how to bring that to life visually. And Andrew did that. We designed the look of this film and, you know, it was... It was a really special relationship for me. We drove home from set together every night and kind of talked about the day's work. And that was really like, and after like a long, insane day, which we had many of, 
that was something I really looked forward to. That was really our therapy session yeah. at the end of each day. Yeah. Um, I mean, for me, I fell in love with the script the moment I read it. And, you know, I'd been reading other comedies and kind of high school movies. And this one really stood out as just being just very genuine and authentic. And I knew I wanted to, you know, be involved with it. Um, I took a meeting with Jason. I think I was the first DP that he interviewed and just kind of we were on the same page from the start. I, you know, brought in some reference materials and we really, I mean, we looked at kind of a range of movies, but uh, some of them that were standout references for us were Election, uh, Lady Bird, uh, certainly referencing John Hughes movies and it has qualities of that. Yeah, I mean, we also we also had a lot of visual references, like we pulled from... There's a lot of Gus Van Sant. We talked movies. a lot of Gus Van Sant as well. Yeah, Gus Van Sant. Uh, Harris Savides was 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 definitely an influence and, and has been in my work. And he kind of brings a, a brought, I should say, a, a, an approach to his work that was more about working in spaces as, and that, that actors would kind of move within as opposed to, you know, lighting faces and, and, and really doing traditional setups. And, and that kind of rung true in this because we didn't want to make like a bright kind of cheery. No, we use know, the word dirty a lot. Yeah. Kind of. Of, we, we definitely like you know when you think of a high school movie you think of these like bright saturated colors really you know white whites and hallways and and beautiful faces and you know we really wanted to do something that was extremely natural extremely dirty like as far like we also have to like you know muddy is, was another word we used kind of like uh, you know distressed like yeah. muted Andrew got uh, to we, we, we stepped, stepped on, on. Stepped on. We, I was like, let's just step on it more. It's like a, like it's a like, photograph that's been in your wallet for a while that fell out and someone kind of like mashed around and maybe it ended up uh, being baked in an oven. This probably occurred to me later, but like John Hughes behind a layer of, of weed smoke is something I've been, I've been seeing. I love that. Yeah. And uh, that's kind of what this feels like to us. And really for me, like, <laughs> you know, high school was, and this, this is what, what resonated, high school was like an awkward experience you know growing up gay in the midwest it it was not like a, a comfortable pleasant experience you know i'm like i'm in the closet i'm trying to figure out what's going on and and like no interactions are really you know you never really i never really felt cool i wasn't one of the cool kids and so i i, I think i identified you know with mo in that sense but i never like met the cool crowd i never got to sort of see what happens when you know to those to those kids like that are hanging out with with the older kids I was sort of like the drama geek, um, you know, had my own cable access TV show. So in a way, this was kind of fun to sort of explore. Oh, so this is what's going on. And I think that's part of the, you know, the theme of the movie is that there really wasn't much going on that was of value. Well, what we talked about a lot was, you know, even though people had different versions of this, like it may not might not have been the kind of like dark, sketchy Pete Davidson. Everyone had some kind of like that world that they like escape to yeah. that like raised them that was outside of their family where they felt like you know welcome and and it was a bubble because like <laughs> you know this this is all you knew and so yeah. you kind of idolized people within this and then you know you start to gain some perspective and and, and see what's past high school uh if, if if someone is listening to this right now and would like to learn more about the the movie do you guys have a facebook page or a twitter or an instagram or anything that's a like great that? question that's i have a... no idea okay it's smart it's not smart we should tell whoever's in charge of that we need it no hopefully hopefully we're just gonna have a movie and okay. you can watch that oh, well, um well, and uh, hopefully that will be out you know soon enough well tell me about the the producers of this project uh you know the, you you can't make a movie alone you have to have a, a great team tell me about the the producers who came in to help realize this vision sure the movie was made it's actually kind of a cool interesting 
way in which the film got made. It's this company called American High. They had bought a defunct, rundown high school in Syracuse, New York. Oh my God! You guys and, got to shoot in a real and high yes, school. We had to shoot in a real. We shot, we shot in a real high school, and that's and, amazing. And they were looking. They were seeking out content, original, unique high school stories to shoot in this school. And they had found my script, which was on the blacklist several years ago, that I had kind of like made my piece that it probably wouldn't get made because it had taken so long. And it, it's a real, it's a real mark of honor, though, to be included on that list. So yeah. I'm, gl- I'm glad that uh, that Thank list you. resulted in you uh, getting this made. It did, and they found it through that, and then they brought me on and said, "We want to shoot this, and we'll let you direct it." And because we were shooting in Syracuse, and that's you know, it's not a film town yet. They're trying to make it one, and there's these tax credits, and we, you know. I'm not going to get into the weeds there. But it was really important to me that I got to choose my DP, my production designer, the the department heads that were really going to and, – and have people that were extremely experienced that could pick up with what I didn't know. And so they were open to that from the start. And that was like my first like, – listen, if I'm going to come here and make this movie with you guys, it's not going to – I'm going to have to come with my crew – yeah, you need your people. You I need, need my people. You need the people who are going to support you. Yeah, and, and then I had to go out and find them because <laughs> I didn't actually have them yet. And I found Andrew right away, and it was. Yeah, so how, it was how did match. you guys connect originally? How did how did you guys meet? Just a standard well Hollywood way of an agent sending Andrew the script and us having a, a coffee meeting. But it was he was the first DP that I met. Um, wow, you you hired the first DP you met. You said I, I don't need to see anyone else. I just to, to do to not to do my diligence. I met a few after, but I was never you know I knew from the start that that was that that was who was going to be my DP. And it was funny because like I would have some meeting and then go home and I'd have some email from Andrew because we'd been emailing from after our first meeting pretty much up until we began shooting, even like before I was able to officially offer him the job. So it was like I would have some meeting, it would go okay, and then I would go check my phone and I had some great long email from Andrew with like more references and I was like so inspired and I was like, you know, it felt it felt right always. I was I couldn't not reach out to him because I kept – after our first meeting, I, my mind kept, you know, bubbling with other references and films and just, oh, here's how we should shoot this scene and this scene. And, and I knew it was just going to be helpful. So I wanted to just keep adding to that. And that just, there was, honestly, the line was blurred between just the initial meeting and prep because we just kept talking about the film. And then we all flew out together with the production designer and set decorator. And it had a really unique bond, that I think, all of us in the design team. Um, and we're just on the same page from the start. So we didn't, we had a month of prep which for Jason as well, that, that, that's quick. Yeah. That's really, it's, it's really quick. Yeah. And a and, lot of locations. And it was a quick learning. Like I walk into a location and, and like I said, like these were my partners, like equals my production designer, Catherine Eder and, and Andrew, we would walk into a location like a house and I would say, I love this. And Catherine would say that wallpaper is terrible. And Andrew goes, the ceilings are too low. Where am I going to have my lights? I'm like, all right, I hate it. Let's not go next. You know, like I had no, I was like, you tell me, you know, but like, it was like very quickly. They were like, you don't love this. Yeah. We did, you know, we tested different lenses and things and, and we all kind of agreed on what the, what the approach was going to be. So we, by the time we were on set, we kind of had our, our working model of, of how the machine was going to come together. And, and, and then we could just focus on, you know, making the days. And I'd love at some point to talk about the photo boarding aspect, which like... Why don't we talk about it now? Yeah. I, I hadn't really used Artemis much before, but I, I had been using some other versions and still photos, but, you know, kind of fell in love with Artemis on this project, which is, a, if you're not familiar, it's an app for the iPhone, probably Android, where you basically can replicate different lens sizes. So you can kind of pre-visualize what, what your frame will look like, and you can punch in different variables of cameras and all the various... You know the, specifications. One of the creators of that uh, app, Nick Sadler, listens to the show too. Oh, awesome! Yes. Well, <laughs> thanks, man. Good, good, Thank good, you. Good. Yeah, you just yeah. gave him a good plug too. So great app. <laughs> Total props to that because <laughs> we used it. 
Um, and so, yeah, so we walked through every location and talked about every beat in the script and where we wanted to put the cameras and, and what it was going to look like and then took that in combination with Shot Designer, another app that became very useful. I don't know the people behind Shot Designer, but my, my co-host, Ben Rock, loves that program and touts it all the time. Yeah. So, yes, Shot yes. Designer, the overhead shot? Yes. That was, yeah. Thank you, Shot Designer. <laughs> oh my God, thank you, Shot Designer. It, it was so helpful. So, so we would take all of these, and, and you can actually take the stills from in this case Artemis and put them into shot designer and so you have this blueprint you can and, and I made PDFs and printouts for the crew so everybody could see where the cameras were going to be and and but also from sort of an editorial standpoint um, you you kind of can see what your movie is going to look like and what the shots are going to be but I, I when I think about the process I always think of Jason's face because he stood in for, for I Mo would in <laughs> every scene and, and another production assistant but it's amazing because uh, I was really concerned going into this I you know I hadn't storyboarded this and I wanted to you know and and I wasn't sure how if we were going to be able to get the chance to storyboard, and Andrew had pitched me this idea of photo boarding, which I never heard of, which was go two weeks early. Once if we can get our locations locked down really quickly, take stand-ins back to those locations and work out the scenes, just the two of us, so we're not we don't have the pressure of an entire crew breathing down our necks and actors ready to go. And that was so it was so it was such a great experience for me because then when we got to set, we had these shots, we knew exactly we had them lined up. I could bring my actors in. I could tell them. I already. It wasn't like I'm seeing a set for the first time. And how are we going to do this? And so after we even did rehearsal, and normally on a film set you do a rehearsal and then you release the actors to go get their hair and makeup done, and then you stay with your DP and you're like, okay, how the hell are we going to shoot this? Like, how many shots are we going to need? How many setups? We didn't need that. I was able to actually go with my actors and rehearse because we didn't have time to rehearse. It's an indie movie. There's no time for anything. I was able to go follow them back to the hair and makeup trailer and rehearse the scene while Andrew was it knew he had his marching orders we had figured him out a month earlier and so he just started getting to work setting up the shot with his crew and it was i think it was I, just a way to get everybody on the same page with without having to explain it in in detail after every rehearsal yeah and it helped all of the departments lighting design i mean even sound like it just like if anybody had a question i would just show them the document and i would say like 90 percent of the time we mostly stuck to it yeah if you look back at our photo boards it's amazing and it is true it's just me just like doing doing all the characters running around yeah. if you look back at that and then on the the scenes that we did not photo board, like you i've you felt that difference like we realized like okay here was one sequence that we didn't have a chance to photo board we didn't have a location and it was like uh, if they and did it that. didn't always work. I mean, some some scenes, like anything, you you have to you, be open to improv, flexible. and yeah, the yeah. actors will come in and say, "I don't want to do that," or they want to, you know, and try something else. Another thing that I would like to speak to when it comes to when we're talking about improv, something that we talked a lot about was like in the normal kind of comedy idea of like an actor locked off doing like you see that a lot like in more mainstream comedies that you feel like okay, this was like a single medium shot probably cross-covered or, you know, you know they, I know that a lot of DPs call it a hammock shot. I don't think that's ever been used before to describe it, actually. <laughs> the hammock. Yeah. It looks like a hammock, so, two sh cameras He's crossed. making it a thing right now. It, Everyone's going to call oh, it the it's, hammock It's now, been a thing so. in Syracuse. <laughs> um, so, hammock shot. The yeah. hammock shot. The yeah. cross, the cross, the, you yeah. know, the two oh, cameras. Over the shoulder? Which I, which I know that Andrew was really, you know, uh, we, we both were adamant against not doing because we want these shots to be unique and original. And I mean, I think every DP, you know, has a pure side that wishes every every show was single camera and that you could just kind of set for one frame and light for one direction. And, and you know, using two cameras, I generally try and keep them on the same angle. But 
but on a on a film like this, you know, you're you're not going to get the same performances twice. And when you need both sides, sometimes you have to go in that direction. But and so it was it was interesting because we really both of us did not wanted to avoid using that as much as possible. It made it for harder for my script supervisor because she had to remember all the improv because we were not going to, you know. We, it, but I think you feel it in those scenes. Yeah. I think you actually can feel a, a, the connection a little yeah. stronger where where we did do that. Mm-hmm. You know. It, it does yeah. allow for spontaneity. Yeah. I, know, I know that there there are some directors who love to work that way, who think it's the only way, especially when you're shooting with a lot of improv. Is uh, how much of the script would you say is improvised, and how much it sticks to the page? As I would it? say that it's like you know, in every in any given scene, there was some line or idea or thought. But I I made sure that everything I wrote was said the way that I you know, and and the actors did a great job of doing the scenes and and then also playing around with them. And I would I would even offer like a. Uh, you know, once I felt we had the scene the way that I had scripted it and offer a take, like a chance to like just play around. And even on those takes, it was funny where you'd expect they would start improvising. They just did the scenes that they were scripted, but they were just a lot looser. You know, they just like felt a little more comfortable because they knew we had it. And so little things, um, affectations that get big laughs, like it's always the small jokes that get the big laughs, like a look or, a th- you know, it's not the big punchline um, uh, I found. And so those we're obviously you can't write that you can't write just like pete flashing some look or griffin like stumbling you know like it that it, that kind of like texture was i think what makes the film great andrew tell me tell me about uh tell me about like a typical day working on set with jason and and the crew would you say that this is a similar to other movies that you've that you've worked on before i i'd, I'd ask jason this but i know this is your your first time feature filmmaker so, yes i have no so, answer to that. so tell so tell me uh t- tell me what it's like working with jason i mean it's it's great and i i think we did because i had so much time with jason and prep it it really shortened kind of our our need to to have a lot of conversations on the day so a typical day we'd we'd uh show up at set we'd do our blocking rehearsal uh actors would go away jason and i would recap and we we would live and die by this document of, yeah, of what the, our the photo boards were. yeah do, do you have any of these photo boards left do you think you could send us one we could put it on the website yeah. to help promote yeah, episode? And, and, i'll send it and, to you and you can definitely do that yeah. after this that, that would be cool so and instead we, of storyboards you could photo see boards. you could see yeah. a side by side photo board shot for a few i think that'd be really cool yeah i think i think it would be awesome if we that could would, get a still I, that could I match I'd, I'd love that yeah and i could yeah arrange that no i think it'd be i think it'd be wonderful for our playing the actors and then the actors doing it and it looks a lot better with the actors but no, I mean, it, it's it, every film is is different in the dynamics. But um, we were we were all working hard, working fast. It's it's a low budget film. We had to, you know, we had location moves and things. Um, but but we you know we were up and rolling pretty quickly most of the time. Um, and then it just became a lot of times it was fluid. You know, the actors would try something else. We'd make our adjustments, um, and it would morph into its own thing. How how many days were you on location? I know you had a lot of locations, but uh, how many Almost days? Almost all of them. Yeah. I think. I think what, it was a twenty-six day shoot. Yeah. I mean, what, what would what would be considered not location the stage? Two days on a stage. Two days on a stage. Yeah. We built a basement set that served as a location for for several parties, and the main reason was the, there were really low ceilings, and we knew we were going to have a lot of people, and we wanted to do kind of sweeping, steady cam shots. And so, it was really important to me that it, you felt that kind of like that basement feeling of like those tile floor, those tile ceilings you can like push up, you know, like because if you don't see those, you don't feel like you're in a basement. It feels and like was, you're on a stage. Yes, and those parties really had to feel like you were like lame, like high school kids drinking in somebody's pa- basement while their parents were upstairs, you know, and that's so building building the basement set. Really, or otherwise. Yeah, exactly. It was really important to us. 
So, gentlemen, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having thank us. Thank you. This, this was is, great. Yeah, this is awesome. Uh, where can people find you? Are you on the Twitters or the Instagrams? Or can, can people, if people want to follow your work, where should they go? I have a website, andrewdp.com. I was lucky enough to get that domain a long time ago. Nice. And that links to my Instagram as well. I would direct everyone to, to go check that out because Andrew's done a lot of awesome work. Me, I, you can follow me on Instagram, but you won't. You know, it's not too fun. You don't use it very much. Yeah. (laughs) Well, well, gentlemen, that was great. Thanks again. Thanks a lot. Thank you. This has been the Cinematography Podcast, presented by Hot Rod Cameras. Find your next camera, lens, or accessory on the web at hotrodcameras.com. Don't forget to subscribe to our show on iTunes and connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening.